0: Amen, good morning the Field Church. Welcome this morning. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verses one through 13. Luke chapter 11, verses one through 13. Before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to continue to recite our TFC family monthly memory verse. And uh, this is for the month of October. I hope that you have been meditating upon it and uh, that you are beginning to see things and understand things in that passage as you meditate upon it, that these verses are impacting you. I know they are for me as I look at them and as I meditate upon them, I begin to realize new things that I should be doing, and thinking, and feeling. And um, I pray that you're understanding specifically how to apply these verses as we memorize them. Okay? Um, So for October, let's repeat it. It'll be on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25. Just say it out loud with me. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Good job. What I have been doing for, these, for the last little bit, the last week or so, is I've been reciting and meditating just upon the first part. So, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And that's what I've just meditated upon for the, for the past week. I've thought to myself, man, that's really the job of the church. We, we're not supposed to be in it for ourselves as consumers. Um, that, what can I go and get, right? That's just not how the early church looked, right? But it's, uh, what can I go and contribute to others? I, I need How can I come and be a part of the body of Christ to give of my, my energies, my love, my time, um, my things? Uh, that's what Acts 2, if you read Acts 2, that's what that church looked like, right? So I've just been meditating upon how can I consider just as I go to the church, as I go and meet with people, as I spend time preparing messages, how can I go to stir up uh, others, um, to love and good works. And so, um, that's just an example, but you can, uh, continue to memorize this. Um, and I pray that as each portion you memorize, uh, as you do it, you would be changed by it. Um, so maybe ponder that first part this week, and then maybe add another part, uh, uh following that. Um, so today we begin Luke chapter 11, and I'm excited about doing that. Um, Jesus is going to begin to teach his disciples here today in this specific package, uh, passage how to pray. He's teaching his disciples now how to pray. This is, this is wonderful. And he's going to teach him how to pray, and this is incre- an, an incredibly practical passage. It's an incredible, uh, incredibly practical um, portion of Scripture, as really all of these passages have been on the journey to Jerusalem, haven't they? I told you they would be. After we spent a long time with Jesus showing himself to be the Christ, and you're like, okay, I get it. Right? Um, But they didn't get it. But he spent a long time through testimonies showing that he indeed was God's Christ. Now we're on the journey with the disciples, and it's very practical training. And I told you it would be. Before this journey started, Jesus and Luke were simply establishing that Jesus was God's Christ, he was the coming one. They knew the prophecies, the Old Testament prophecies of the coming king. And they needed to understand that this was he, right? Furthermore, that he would suffer, be rejected, die, and be raised. And now on this journey to Jerusalem, we move into this portion of the training. After this, we are going to actually see the events proper, right? The, the, the rejection, the, the, the suffering, the dying, the resurrecting. And now, though, his disciples need to learn how to follow him. They need to learn now, once they've believed in him, what does it look like to know God and to follow God? He's teaching them his ways. He's equipping them for the work of the ministry. So along the journey to Jerusalem, Jesus is now training the, the, the disciples, really the 72 here. And it's very practical instruction But it would be this, if you wanna follow Jesus, if you truly believe in me, and I'm gonna leave this mission to you, I'm training you, I need to train you to know me, to make me known, to be like me, to know God. And so today, he's teaching them how to pray. That's what's happening today. They are asking this question. Lord, teach us to pray. That's what they're asking Jesus today. Lord, teach us to pray. We like a new disciple saying, you know what? I'm following Jesus now, but I have no idea how to pray. Will you teach me how to pray? And many of us may still feel like we don't know how to pray. Maybe we understand some things about it, but maybe we personally feel like, I don't know how to pray. I see people praying around me, and I don't know how how to pray, how to talk to God, we can take heart because the disciples didn 't know either, which is why they 're asking Jesus now to teach them how to pray you 'll see in a moment, and what 's wonderful is they witness Jesus praying, they hear Jesus praying, and after watching him and listening to him, they say, "Lord, teach us to pray and this is this is incredible because you know, during this time, the, 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 the religious leaders, they taught the Jews to pray in a different way. It, it was repetitious words that didn't mean anything in order to be seen by people. And John's disciples, John the Baptist, and Jesus' disciples, as they watched John and Jesus, heard them say, this sounds nothing like what I grew up hearing from the religious leaders, Mindless, endless, repetitious, meaningless cycles of almost a good luck charm. While Jesus is over here and John the Baptist is here pouring out their heart to the Father in very specific categories. And now they're saying, Jesus, we don't know how to pray like this. Teach us to pray. Many of us maybe know how to pray, but maybe we don't. Maybe it's either out of busyness or or maybe we live a life of self reliance. Maybe a life of distraction or a lack of planning or an unawareness of our true need for God at every moment. Your heart, ready? Feel it for a second. Everybody, put your hand on your heart. Feel those every second beats. One of them stops. And it's over. You are fragile. God is sustaining every one of those heartbeats. Every one of them. Every one of them for 80 some odd years, if you're lucky. You need God every moment. Maybe you don't put yourself in a position to need God. For example, maybe you don't share your faith. So you see no need to pray for the softening of the hearts of the people around you. We are wholly dependent upon God. Or maybe we don't understand our role in discipling our children or discipling others, and so we don't maybe dedicate time in prayer towards their spiritual growth. Or maybe even in view of God, we have a low view of God. And maybe we have a low view of the effectiveness of prayer. And so maybe we don't even realize the incredible opportunity that we have in talking to and spending time with and asking from a sovereign God who runs the universe. Maybe we need to realize the incredible privilege we have in prayer. Or maybe even we have a very passive uh, approach to life. And maybe we just say God's going to do it anyway, so I really don't need to pray. None of that is biblical, all of which forfeits the satisfying fellowship, forfeits our opportunity to ask God, to cast our burdens upon him, to seek him to do what only he can do. That's what we need to to think through. During this time in this passage, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray, but he's also going to motivate us to pray. So this is like, I I mean, it cannot get any more practical than this. He's teaching us how to pray, and then he's giving us the motivation to pray. That if we have no motivation to be prayerful people, he is going to motivate us as well. The passage that we're about to read, I'm going to give you the structure of it briefly. There's three uh, elements or three portions of this structure. They're going to be on the screen. You can write them down so you know which portion we're in. Number one, the, this is going to be today's portion, the disciples' request to learn how to pray. That's what we're going to see today, the disciples' request to learn how to pray. Secondly, in this passage, the next portion of the structure are going to be at least seven important aspects of prayer. Or you could say elements, or you could say categories, of prayer. Jesus will then give them not an exact prayer to pray each and every time. He's going to give the, this is not a prayer to be repeated, although it can be. It's not just simply a prayer to be memorized, although it can be, right? But at that would be missing the point, it's not a fix-all good luck charm, as some religions have used. Just repeat it a certain amount of times, and then it it will it will satisfy God's wrath against you. It's it's not the, that's not the um that's not the point of this prayer. The point is is that Jesus is giving them categories. He's giving them elements. He's giving them aspects of relating to God that should be common in your prayer life, that should be common in a true disciple's prayer life. How do we know that? Because these categories match up with the Old Testament. So we know the categories of prayer that the Jewish people (laughs) prayed to God. And so this is not anything new that Jesus is teaching them, but he's giving them clarity and simplifying and he's removing from them the, obs- the obscure thoughts that the religious leaders had given to the people. He is now teaching them these categories. These categories are going to be like seeds, that flower. So as you think through this passage and then as you're praying, hopefully this should change the structure of how you pray forever. We've heard different structures, like acts, right? Acknowledge, confess, thanks, supplication. This should be the structure, maybe, of your prayers for the rest of your life coming from this series. And each category should be like a seed, that just in your mind as you reference the category, it begins to blossom, informed by the scriptures. Right? So, let's take the first one, Father. Father first category? Well, there's a lot there. Children of God, relating to God in a familial way, his leadership, his care, his protection, his providing. So you see, you reference the category and then you blossom into five minutes or 50 minutes of prayer to God informed by what the scriptures say about God in each of those categories. Hallowed be thy name. Holy, set apart, different, cut from a different cloth, sovereign, sinful. I I mean, you could go on. These are the categories, right? And and so these are at least seven elements. Of course, within all of this, we can see more elements, but these are the, the base structure elements And there's seven of them that comprise this, and this is the essential skeleton on which you should hang your prayers upon. Jesus is aiming to communicate these. And then thirdly, lastly in our passage, we're going to see Jesus's motivation. He's giving them motivation to pray. Jesus is going to end this section by motivating the disciples to pray. He's going to tell the disciples of the incredible privilege, of the incredible effectiveness, of the incredible benefits of prayer. The fact that he wants to hear those prayers. The fact that he gets pleasure from answering your prayers. And the fact that the ones who pray are the ones who receive the benefits and blessings of God. Those are the kind of the three categories within that category. So, I've entitled this message and really this whole mini-series, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Because that's what's happening. We're going to take the next six weeks, including this week, in this mini-series on prayer. For the Lord to teach us how to pray. I think this is one area we really need to grow as a church we will cover today just the request for the Lord to teach the disciples how to pray. And then starting next week, we will take a few elements at a time. And then we will end the series with one week on, on the motivation. So this intro week for us to almost stir our hearts regarding prayer. And then for the next um, four weeks, we'll take a few elements at a time. And then the last week will end with the motivation. And I love how walking by walking through books of the Bible, God gives us kind of these mini series, right? Within it. We don't need to create series, we just got them Amen. within them. I'm thankful for that because I, I just it would be hard for me to just continue to create, create them. I'm glad that God's word does. Just like he did with the parable of the sower. Right? Remember that? There's no point to rush in this passage, by the way, church. We are in God's word now. We don't, we, we're not going anywhere. There's, no, there's nowhere to get to, right? We're in God's word now, and he's gonna teach us with any passage that we're in. And so today, and in this mini-series, he's gonna teach us how to be God-glorifying, effective, prayerful people. So let's pray, and let's ask God to teach us as he taught the disciples, and we're going to see one, just one point today with some things underneath of it, one main point of the disciples' request to be taught how to pray. So let's pray, and then we'll read. Father, thank you so much for your word. It tells us things that we do not know, and we don't even know we need. Help us, church, Father, to be prayerful. Help this church to accomplish more in their prayers than they will ever accomplish in their doing. Help this church to bank more of their confidence on prayer than they bank their confidence upon anything else. Help this church to have a high view of you so that they have a high view of prayer help this church father to to not believe that they can do anything on their own help this church father to be prayerful people who accomplish more in their praying than we could ever Hope to accomplish in our doing. Father, there's so much work to be done. There are so many souls to be saved. There are so many errors to correct. There are so many people who are are hurting and who are distracted by the world, who are in error, God, the only thing that we can do is, is pray. God, the enemy is against us, our church, our people. Our life is short. God, I want to see this church be close to you. And prayer will be, will be the means by which that occurs. Father, please, today, teach us to pray. And in this series, do the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Read with me. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, and he said to them, "When you pray, say," look how straightforward that is. "Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation." Though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is his friend, yet because of his impotence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs." And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What a passage. What a passage. Let me give you some background before we get into our our first verse. Religious leaders at this time would teach their disciples to pray. This was nothing new. So the disciples were asking their religious leader matthew is a, a the other different occasion of this text it 's it's from a different point though it's it 's from, the, it's from the, an earlier time in jesus 's ministry. This is not the same passage as matthew 's passage um, that 's from the Sermon on the Mount, which is fitting with the religious leaders as as the background of them teaching the disciples wrongly their disciples i 'm sorry wrongly it 's fitting that Jesus would say this on the Sermon on the Mount because If you notice on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying things like, you've heard it said, right? But then here's God's way. And so he's doing the same thing with this. From the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the the Sadducees, the scribes, you've heard it said, the rabbis to pray like this, but pray like that. Right? So that would fit perfectly there. Um, this is the more abbreviated version. You will know, and even uh, some translations even have this one possibly being more elaborate. Um, we will supplement with Matthew's patches. The reason why there are multiple of this is because, again, this is a structure. Jesus taught this multiple times, right? Just like you would use the same words or same tendencies or same strategies and discipling some of the people you disciple, Right? Um, so Jesus is using some of the same strategies. So Matthew's is more elaborate. Again, we will uh, supplement to give the full picture of, of what it should be. Um, if you notice, this is a very unselfish prayer. I want you to notice this. Um, all, all the pronouns are plural, right? This keeps in mind The fact that our prayers should be focused on the community of faith, on others, not just self, right? When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give what? Us, right? In the other parallel account in Matthew, it's our Father, right? Um, Forgive us, us our sins for we, ourselves, plural, S at the end, right? And lead us not into temptation. This should cause you to be broader in your scope of prayer. It should be others focused. And it should continue to think about the body of Christ. Matthew's account of this is earlier in Galilee. This is no doubt in Judea months later, and really we are only months away from the cross at this point. Um, So again, this is a skeleton. This is the framework. This is to hang your prayers upon this. This is what you should pray. If you pray like this with this structure, you will pray like Jesus. Think about this. He's praying and they say, teach us to pray. And then he tells them this. You know what this means? This is how Jesus structured his prayers to his father. This is how we pray like Jesus. When you hear him, when they were watching him, when they were listening to him, now also we must understand that Jesus' Jesus's disciples and John the Baptist's disciples, they had interaction. Um, we know that. I think it was in Luke chapter seven. And they must have said to each other, "John's teaching us how to pray, and it's different. And the disciples that were just starting to follow Jesus said, what do you mean by this? And then they started going with him and hearing his prayers, and they, they understood this. So they wanted to be like Jesus. They wanted to pray. And Jesus is res- res- establishing this framework. I want you to notice a couple things. Um, notice the structure. The first elements are about God and his glory. And then the second elements are about human need right? Stay with me. This is important. And right after we put God in his rightful place, then we realize what we need. And in addition to this, I want to tell you, this is not to prayer. Let me, let me redefine prayer as a whole for you through this text. Okay. It's not simply out of the overflow of your life. Although that's good, and God wants to hear that. What Jesus is also telling us here is there sh- should be elements and structure to it. And what that tells me is that it should be informed by the text, right? The scripture should inform us. You ever just sit, I hope you do, read your Bible, and like things you just wouldn't pray and your heart's not even stirred to be prayer, but as you're reading, I did this last night in, in Esther chapter uh, 7, Adam and I were working on our, my backyard this past week, getting it ready for baby number four so Casey can just throw the rest of the kids in the backyard, right? And, and, a, and when we were done and I ate something, I sat down and I just spent a couple hours reading in Esther. and In Esther chapter seven, I, I just watched how, how Esther approached the king in completing what God what she knew God needed to do in order to save the, her people. And I just remember, remember a f- just at least a few times my s- spirit being just forced to pray. I just, God, I want that to be true of me and that to be true of my life. So your prayers should be informed by the scriptures. They should be pushed out by the scriptures. It should make your heart stirred to say, I gotta pray this right now. And so this passage in particular should be doing that, but as you look at these categories, they should be informed by the scriptures. So it's not just an overflow of your life, although that's okay. It's important that you understand that there should be these elements here. Also, prayer is not a demand or, a, or a foolish, the foolishness of speaking things into existence as, as some forms of the faith have had there's deception there this is an entrusting yourself listen this is what prayer is it's entrusting yourself to God to the sovereignty of God and living life like that you're not God you're just not you can only do so much in a day you can only do so much Period. You're not God. Prayer is just, you just live life entrusting yourself to him. Every moment. And it's all going to be okay. He's in control anyway. No matter what happens, even if you die, if you're in Christ, it's going to be okay. You, You live, you entrust yourself to him at every moment and prayer helps us to do this. It's submitting my life to him. This passage should be the summary of all of our prayers. It expresses spiritual needs, physical needs, and godly aspirations for your life. It, should, it encompasses God's divine purposes, my human sorrow and need, my longing, and for God to be glorified. There's an invocation, there's a benediction, This is just a perfect prayer. And it begins and ends with the supremacy of God. And in the middle, it even focuses on God the whole time, right? Father, hallowed, kingdom, you're superior, right? You're in heaven, I'm on earth. I need from you, God. You're my savior, protect me help me to forgive, lead me out of temptation. So this is just beautiful. So number one and the only point that we're gonna see today, the disciples' request to be taught how to pray. The disciples' request to be taught how to pray. Let's look at verse one. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. So we start with verse one. We start with the word now. This is a word here, it just helps us to transition. We're not in the same scene as the previous story, by the way. We had Pastor Tanner and Josh Miller preach the past uh, couple of weeks. And how awesome is that? Just amazed by just how God continues to just grow and use an amazing rotation of preachers for this church, and glory not to them, glory to God, but God is using them to edify this church each week. So verse one, now we transition into another scene where Jesus trains his disciples how to pray. If you see, we're in a certain place. Um, the, the place is not the issue, right? That's why we don't, aren't told it, lest you be influenced by the location. Rather, we're focusing our emphasis on the prayer. Um, of course, the location matters not when we pray, right? John 4, 21 and verse 23, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father, right? But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. By the Holy Spirit, there's no place that you need to pray every time, Right? You can pray because the presence of God is with you all the time through Christ. So the location matters not. What matters is speaking to God. Jesus, in this passage, is doing what he does oftentimes in in his gospels. He's taking time out of the journey, and he's taking time to pray, to be with his father, So you've seen this plenty of times, and Jesus is taking the time to do this. It says, Jesus was praying. So we got now in a certain place. What was he doing? Jesus was was praying. That's where we're at right now. And you've seen Jesus do this before, right? What about Luke chapter 5, verse 16? But he withdrew to a desolate place, and what? He prayed. Or Luke chapter 6, verse 12. In these days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Or Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 tells us, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplication, in the days of his flesh, when he was on earth, with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. And oftentimes, when he was praying, Jesus' disciples would be with him, right? Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 41. And he came out and he went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter t- t- into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed. They could hear him, right? I think that that was Intentional. Jesus could have gone farther. So he's here, he's in a certain place, and he's praying, and oftentimes his disciples would be there, and this is the case right now. The disciples would listen, would watch him, would listen to him. They would see his posture. They would see his dependence. They would see him prioritizing prayer. They would see him heavy and burdened with the weight of the ministry, right? Maybe you don't pray because there's really no like, eternal consequence to your life. Maybe it's just so short-sighted, and I say this with love, like, that you, don't, you're, you have no need to be driven to prayer. Jesus was heavy. He knew what lied ahead. He would stop. Listen, and so his disciples would watch him. This is a word to the wise. Let me just take a second. Or those who wish to be wise. For us as disciples who make disciples, which should be every Christian. And if you're a Christian, you should be a disciple who's making disciples. Right? Let the disciples, let your disciples see you pray. Let them watch you pray. Pray. Let people, it's okay. Let them see you or at least hear you, at least start or end your prayer. Let them see your posture. Let them see your dependence upon God. Let them see you prioritize prayer in joy and in sorrow. And a word to parents for just a second. Let your children see you pray. Let your children see you pray. How else will they learn the necessity of prayer? The truth that they should have full assurance of the effectiveness and the priority of prayer. How else are they going to learn? You're the main person that God has taught to to use to teach them how to pray. How else will they know that no matter how strong they think they are, they need God? How are they going to know that unless they see big, strong daddy praying? How else are they going to know to establish patterns and habits of prayer if they don't see busy moms spending time in prayer? How, How will they learn to work it into their lives unless you teach them? How are they going to learn to pray unceasingly if if mommy and daddy aren't constantly, maybe in the car, before they they leave for a vacation maybe? God protect our house. God protect us. God help us. How are they going to learn if if you're not praying before big decisions as a family? How are they going to learn if you're not praying as a family or maybe with the individual child before their respective sports game and praying for their respect, for their love, for them to glorify God, for their submission to their leadership there? How are they gonna learn if you're not praying before their practice that their practice and their sports are not the most important things in their life? God is. And say, wait, wait, I was about to go to practice and dad knelt down and prayed with me and he didn't pray for my success in my sports. He didn't even mention it. He prayed for me to to love my coach and my teammates. How are they going to know that God and godliness is the priority? How else are they going to learn that they can't do one ounce of eternally significant work without God's help if they don't pray before every time you leave the house to go to work? How will they learn daddy's goals for his job are not merely to make money and be successful, but the number one priority for daddy is to go to work and make disciples, which is why he prays for evangelistic opportunities before he leaves. How are they going to learn that God is the one who gives us rest and the one who wakes us up if he so chooses by his grace? If you're not praying before you guys go to bed and when you wake up in the morning, how are they going to learn that plenty of people will have meals without, they will go without meals in the world Every single day. And we are not any better than them. But we simply eat because God is gracious to us. If we're not praying and thanking God before our meals. And and it shouldn't just be before our meals as a tradition. But it it should be all the time. And listen, let me tell you. Let them don't just pray before meals. Let them come out of their rooms in the morning and see daddy and mommy on their knees. Let them see that. It will tell them just what you prioritize. I think some of the main reason that children leave the faith, from what I've watched, is mom and dad who marginalize their faith. I Say this with grace. They see the faith of their parents and they say, this isn't real. Because it's marginalized. If this was real, Mommy and daddy would have a serious weight of the reality of sin. A serious weight of the reality of salvation. A serious weight of the reality of God's holiness and eternity and how much they need to be dependent upon God every day. If this was real, that's what I would see. And that's not what I'm seeing. And so then they learn that this faith isn't real. It's maybe a moral ploy, or maybe it's something less than authentic, or maybe it's optional. When our hearts are hard towards God, we don't pray. So let me just tell you, prayer is one of the most authentic displays of your faith that the world could ever see. Because when you don't love God, you don't pray. When your heart is hard, you don't pray. It is the most authentic display of your faith that the world, your family, others could ever see because it requires belief and humility and genuineness in your faith. So Jesus was praying because he loves his father and his disciples were there watching and look, they see Jesus' priority and dependence. They, they know what Jesus is doing. They, they know that he's busy, that he's in towns and villages, entering, exiting. There's crowds. There's controversy. There's criticism. And he's, he's taking the time out to pray. He's praying for his continued obedience to his Father, for his future suffering, crucifixion, what lies ahead. Unquestionably, he's just praying because he wants to have fellowship with his father. This is bread and rest to him. And the disciples are there. And when they finished, when he finished, I'm sorry, it says in our passage, so they waited till he was done. That was nice of them. One of the disciples, which when Luke oftentimes does, does that, when we know, when he doesn't mention the name of the disciple, but we know there's more than one there. He often uses one if he's nameless. If if there's a name there, oftentimes, there's maybe an emphasis of that person, maybe so we can learn from maybe what that person commonly did in other places. If if the disciple's nameless there, it's usually what Luke usually does is a representative of the whole, right? So you, you know that most of them are asking the same question at this point. He's saying... One of the disciples, out of the 72, we don't know which one, said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus, will you teach us? We want to learn. What do we say? How do we talk to God? How should we pray? Now, this is incredible because the Jews didn't even think access to God, a lot of them, was possible. In the Old Testament, God was seen as far off. We saw God in the bush, right, with Moses We see him speaking to Moses like a man would speak to a man. We see God speak to Elijah or Isaiah or the psalmist wrote prayers to God. But what Jesus is doing is different. It's intimate. And that's why they're asking this. Hebrews 4, 4 through 16, 14 through 16. Since we have a great high priest who is able, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us Hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in, who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. you got to understand that also um, in Matthew's account, it talks about the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders um, Showing them a different way based upon hypocritical means. So, let me, let me tell you, these were true disciples. They were truly converted, and they desired to pray. By the way, you too should desire to pray if you're, if you're a true disciple of Jesus. This is just an introduction week for us to understand. You as a disciple should have this same desire. You should say, Lord, teach me to pray, and I wanna pray, by way of example, just as your pastor. I just wanna tell you, I can't function without long periods of prayer. I want you to be like that. On vacation last week, I sat near the hot tub, near the pool in my room for hours, hours in a day, because I need God. I try. We talk about it around here trying to live at a pace to finish the race, or as J.I. Packer said in an interview I once listened to, "Live life slowly enough to be able to think deeply about God," like the Puritans did. And we'll find times throughout the throughout the the day to stop. I can't function without it. I don't want you to be able to function without it. Hours, you need Him. Ponder Him. Hours upon hours. I need him to reset me. I need to be with him. I need to ponder him. I need to cry out to him for, to, for him to do what only he can do. And I wish for you to be like this—that it would be the sweet satisfaction of your soul to spend time in prayer with God, hours upon hours. Sometimes I'll I'll fall asleep laying on the floor playing, praying. And when I fall asleep, I still feel like my mind is still in the posture of prayer to God because when I wake up, I'll just keep on going. That's okay. God's with us. Sometimes I wake up in the morning feeling so fragile, usually because some form of criticism or some daunting deadline that I have ahead or worries about you as a church. about my kids, some of you in particular, or about my future or your future. And sometimes, because of that, just, these are just examples, I'll, be, I'll just lay in, in my bed, hold, like holding the pillow. And I can't even say the words, and I'll just say, please God, please God, please God, please God, please God, over and over. And the intentions are only in my heart, they're not even coming out of my lips, right? Because I'm so desperate, which I take what Romans eight twenty-six to mean. Likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Sometimes prayer comes from strong confidence that if I just keep on praying, you know, like the persistent widow, that story in Luke chapter 18. I'll just I'm just gonna keep on bothering you, God. Right? That was that's the story. And God, he loves that persistence. Or sometimes, though, it comes in places of desperation. We're going to close this. because we've seen now, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And apparently John taught his disciples how to pray as well. I'm going to just close this with 16 reasons It's just going to be brief. It's just going to be a reason and a verse, a reason and a verse, a reason and a verse. Sixteen reasons that you should desire to pray. So as we go into this series, that you come eager each week with the desire to know how Jesus teaches us to pray and to be motivated. The disciples desired to pray, we should desire to pray. Why? Why? There are many reasons. I felt like God wanted me to tell you 16 of them. Number one, prayer is how we have intimate fellowship with God. Psalm 18, one through three. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. Number two, Prayer is a means for us to speak praises to God. Psalm 66, 17. Maybe you just write one word since I'm going fast, like fellowship with God or, you know, fellowship or praise or whatever. And then just the verse reference. I cried to him, Psalm 66, 17, with my mouth and high praise was on my tongue. High praise. Number three. Prayer is for a time for us to experience the pleasure of satisfaction in God. Psalm 90, 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Number four, prayer is a time of contemplation of God. Psalm 63, one through eight. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied with as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I, look at this, remember you on my bed That's contemplation and meditate on you in the watches of the night for you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Number five, prayer allows us to cast our burdens upon God. First Peter five, six through seven, humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Six, prayer facilitates trust and peace in God. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or gentleness be known to all. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you something? One of my favorite words in the Bible is trust. Just this, Quiet confidence that the Lord's working and living at that, in that way. And, and listen, I love this. Quiet confidence. If God so chooses to vindicate, then he so chooses to vindicate. Or if he so chooses to do this, then he so chooses. And trusting myself. You live with this quiet confidence. And you know what it causes you to do when you're crying out to God constantly? It causes you not to give way to frantic anger towards others. Because your trust is in the Lord to do it, so you stop demanding of everyone around you because you want what you want so badly, right? If you're constantly in prayer, you're not demanding towards others because you're saying, and you're entrusting yourself to God because you're saying, if God so chooses, then he will. And I live with that, right? That's why that verse in Philippians 4 speaks, you say, well, why does it gentleness, where does that come in, a reasonableness? Well, you're you're, you're gentle horizontally, when you're constantly in prayer to God vertically, right? So you're waiting upon God rather than being demanding of others. Number seven, prayer gives us the opportunity to confess our sins to God. Psalm 32, three through five. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Number eight, in Christ, by the way, we always remain fully forgiven. But when we confess our sin, we have restored fellowship with God. Number eight, prayer is for utter dependence upon God in all areas. Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and I moan and he hears my voice. Number nine, stay with me. It's requiring some endurance for you. Prayer is how we ask for what we need or want from God. As you guys know this, James 4, 2, you do not have because you do not ask. We believe in the sovereignty of God around here. You guys know that. But this passage clearly teaches something amazing, that there will be things that you will have because you ask and things that you would not have that you would have had if you would have asked. There's just no way around it, right? And amazing how God works in us to drive us to prayer to fulfill his sovereign plan. Number 10, God Prayer beckons us, to beckons God to do what only he can do. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we all than, ever, than all that we can ask or think according to his power that is at work within us. Number 12, wait, number 11, it's a sin not to pray. It's a sin not to pray. 1 Samuel 12.23, moreover as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Number 12, prayer helps us to understand the word of God. Like when you go sit down to read, you better pray first. Psalm 119.18, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. And then once we read it, number 13, prayer helps us to respond obediently to the word of God. Psalm 119.10, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Number 14, Number 14, Prayer should be made for fellow believers, church members, and the nations to experience the work of God. It's not just about us. Ephesians 6, 18, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Number 15, prayer is for those who are sick to receive healing from God to say the first part of this, but James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing, s- sing praise. If anyone among you is sick, let him call on the elders from the church and let them pray over him. Number 16, lastly, prayer is how we express our thankfulness to God. Psalm 4, 2, continue steadfastly in prayer with thanksgiving. Let me close by telling you You were created to be dependent upon God. Listen, we're almost done. You were created to be dependent upon God. God is the only independent being. You, however, are a dependent being. God reaches back into his own self for resources, every resource. You have no ability to do that, right? And when we ask, it glorifies him because it shows him to be the benefactor and you constantly the beneficiary, which means he's great, right? Ask of God, it glorifies God. Romans eleven thirty six: for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Let us not spend it on our own passions, as James says, right? Then we shouldn't receive anything from the Lord if we do. But here's how you pray. You pray in Christ's name for his glory. Look at this, ready? This is the pattern, John 14, 13. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You pray in Christ's name for God's glory. So, like the disciples as we start this mini-series, listen, ready? You should desire to pray. And you should say the same thing. Jesus, teach me to pray. And when you pray, say, Jesus will say very simply. So, he's gonna teach us. The question is, today, do you desire to pray? Do you desire to learn how to pray? Do you desire to be a prayerful person, prayerful Christian? Do you desire for Jesus to motivate you to pray? I pray you're gonna come back and learn from Jesus in this series. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I just pray that you do in us what only you can do through your holy word. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.